Welcome back, guys, to Triggered, my podcast. Today, I have a special guest, my good friend, Taylor King. He's coming to talk about some integrative medicine therapies. He is the head of integration, head of director of social media, Better You, a therapy here in Vegas, but they also do online modalities. One of the things that they're really, really good at is the ketamine therapies. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of get into that a little bit. So welcome, Taylor. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah, so the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about, it is a psychedelic therapy, correct? Yeah, psychedelic therapy, and now it's kind of expanding into just uh, overall health and wellness. Okay. Yeah, so it's a psychedelic therapy. I've kind of talked about it a little bit on my shows. Uh, I've talked about ayahuasca. I've talked about some other things. But kind of give us an idea, like, how is this different from other, other modalities, like mushrooms, ayahuasca, things like that? Yeah, ketamine, when I first heard about it, it was... I was working bartending in West Hollywood, and uh, it was a horse tranquilizer. Horse like, tranquilizer. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> I'd see people come in, and they'd stand in the same spot every weekend, and they were falling into the K-hole. The K-hole. Exactly. So it, it can be like done as recreationally, and then it can also be done as a therapeutic modality. Yeah. So how, how did... Because I knew about ketamine too, like ADC, Las Vegas. I see the same thing you're talking about, kind of like the trancey stage and then people are in the K-hole. And I never was really personally like gravitating towards that. And I didn't know what it it, it was. I've actually recently done it Mm -hmm. as a recreational drug. But explain to us why ketamine therapy, a horse tranquilizer, is so therapeutic for people like with anxiety, depression, PTSD. How did they come about figuring that out? I think over time, just being used as a dissociative anesthetic, they just came to understanding that it was helping people uh, with the kind of effects of of anxiety, PTSD. Um, It seems to be really like a heart opener. Okay. You know, and getting people to just something about being separating the the mind and body for a moment and being you and connecting to you. There's just a, a power in that. Yeah, so I, I did my ketamine therapy with you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we did this. It was a beautiful location, Sedona, Arizona. We kind of just, like, wanted right. to connect with our hearts. Yeah. It was my first experience with it. And I, I guess, to me, it was very – we took a lower dose, right, kind of a starter dose. I think we started at 100 milligrams or something. It okay. wasn't crazy. So yeah. it was, like, a super low dose. I was right. nervous because I've done things like ayahuasca, and that's very, very intense modality, obviously. We mm-hmm. actually shared a ceremony together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know what to expect, and I was very fearful because I've done very intense psychedelic therapies, and I was a little timid and, like, could this overwhelm me? Could, the, could it be, like, overstimulating? You know, but then once we did it, I, f- I realized, wow, like you said, it's a heart opener. We did the whole like um, we put the like the eye mask on mm-hmm. and the headphones and we had like therapeutic music. And it was just kind of like going into yourself. Similar thing where, you know, it's not a so it wasn't social. It was going into yourself and maybe going in with an intention and trying to figure out how to connect with some part of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, the idea. Like you want to you want to set an intention. Intention is everything. That's kind of like your GPS into finding, you know, a path towards what it is that you want to create. But oftentimes with ketamine compared to other psychedelics is that it doesn't show up in the psychedelic experience every time. Okay. Or anytime sometimes. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people that have hugged the child version of themselves or, you know, walked down the beach with their grandmother and found peace or whatever it may be. But I've also had people tell me that they flew over, you know, pyramids and auroras and, you know, they're floating through the stars. Like, I mean, it's different for everyone. But 
because of the neuroplastic effects and, and what it does to the brain, it shows up days following where you suddenly have these kind of aha moments. And that's where intentions really begin to manifest. And that's why I think a, a program in, in combination with the ketamine therapy is almost essential instead of just taking it and you know hoping that you have that revelation. Yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, I've, I've noticed with any of these recreational things that we can do like MDMA or ketamine or other things, mushrooms even, you could do it in a recreational space where you're having a good time and you hope for the best that you're gonna have a good experience. And then you mm -hmm. also have this modality where, like you said, with an intention or maybe in a certain therapeutic space with a guide, you can set about to discover something about yourself or heal a part of yourself. Um, and uh, you're saying that this has been very effective for people that are like depressed or maybe even like having really hard time with trauma or maybe even like in a grieving space. Like, what is it about ketamine that is um, helping them pull them out of, of like dark spaces? First off, when you put a pair of headphones on and then high mask, like, when do you ever do that? I, right? like, I didn't like, before that. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you just you're, you're all of a sudden taking the time to just be with you mm -hmm. for a moment. And okay. I think there's a power in that and sitting with your own thoughts. I think too often that we're we're working our nine to fives or building our business, building someone else's dream. You know, by the time we get off, if we have kids, our focus goes to them or our partner. We just want to relax. We end up binge watching a TV show. We use a substance, alcohol. We, you know, develop addictions to shopping. Like we have too many distractions nowadays to face the things that we actually need to. And they end mm -hmm. up just being kind of band-aids okay. to the wounds and the things that we experience on a day to day. Yeah. With this experience, it's about sitting with it. And the opportunity is to face it. Okay. And in facing it, you're stitching the wound, oh, right? Okay, yeah. And in stitching the wound, you begin to understand it. You become yeah. familiar with it. And okay. then I think that's when you properly heal and then you can grow from it um, and then eventually open your heart. Yeah. So. That's a great way of describing it because I would say, you know, it's interesting. I kind of did a weird way of going to psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I, I was rushed into ayahuasca because I was in a critical, like, couldn't heal my PTSD I was struggling to do my motherly duties and even my business, my job as a wife. Like I was just, I was crashing down. Like yeah. I was having a nervous breakdown of some sort. And so I kind of got thrust into something so intense. Like, you know, I think you would agree ayahuasca is a lot more intense than ketamine. Absolutely. Level okay. 10. Okay, level 10. Level 10 and yes. may, what, what would you say ketamine is? Like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest okay, with you. Okay, tell me. Because I've only done the small dose. You, you, you. You've probably gone in the hefty doses. I've, I've definitely, I mean, I've, I've done heavier doses of ketamine within range and protocol, but okay. um, there's a difference between ingesting and, and spitting okay. the medicine out. So spitting is usually like a 45 minute to an hour experience. It's super easy, but you get the same neurobiological benefits as, as ingesting. Okay. Um, the only difference between that is uh, analgesic or pain relief benefit from, okay. from swallowing. Okay. But the psychedelic experience when you ingest is like, Oh, really? Next level? It can level? be next level. Like you're, oh. It can be very visceral, like the places that you go and the things that you experience, you kind of feel like you're there. Okay. Um, so my first experience ingesting okay. with ketamine felt like a digital version of ayahuasca, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, so it, was, was, it was insane. So was it almost a 10? Or was it more like a 7 or 8? It challenged me Yeah. in a way that I, I want to say, I don't want to say it was a 10, but like, okay. like 10 out of 10 experience. Uh-huh. But the challenge wasn't 
as extreme as ayahuasca. I feel like ayahuasca will like put you through test after test. After. It's like, like a marathon. Like it's trying to get you there. Right. It's trying to get a hurdle in front of you. Right. Like an obstacle needs to, like a fear or like a pain is going to be presented. It's, it's, I mean, that's a psychedelic experience. It's a life experience condensed into, you know, a couple hour journey. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. you're going through obstacles, a roller yeah. coaster, you're going to face struggles and challenges yeah. and, and find a way to overcome them. And sometimes you're guided in yeah. you know, directions, but yeah, yeah. it, for me was was very eye-opening it was like one of those kind of talking to god oh wow whatever you know and that's anyone, powerful yeah, perceives as yeah, yeah that's so incredible. cool too because i've seen i, I so i've done mushrooms too mm -hmm. but i've only done like small doses like maybe like a gram like oh, max yeah, you yeah. i know you've gone you like gotta, full blown uh -huh. five gram like god mode they say on the back of the chocolates this is god mode yep. so um, how, would you can would you be able to compare it to mushrooms too? Is it similar in the modalities that works? Is it similar in the visuals or? I think visuals are very different. Like ketamine's almost made for a pair of headphones and an eye mask. Okay. Like I think if you really want to get the most out of it, like sit with yourself for a moment, dissociate, separate, you know, from who you think you are. Okay. Your persona, your identity, who the world told you who you should be. Okay. And then come back to you and see how you feel. That's okay. ketamine. That's okay. the power of it. I think psilocybin mushrooms is like, they're playful. Like in the beginning, they're going to okay. dissolve the ego and okay. you're going to be challenged and be like, oh my God, like what is life? Right. But yeah. then once they, I feel like there's a moment when I, when I do a heavier dose of mushrooms where they start like playing with you okay. or they're having fun with okay. you. And that's, that's, that's the good part. Okay. So like you have the challenge and then there's like a bunch of revelations after that for me. Um, ayahuasca is just like challenge, 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 challenge. <laughs> Knock you on your ass. And then here you go, a beautiful platter of like yeah, the beauty of life. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, my journey was <laughs> so reverse order. Like mm -hmm. I, I needed ayahuasca immediately to, I was so afraid. I was, I don't think I was ever going to be able to bring myself to the right time mm -hmm. in that, in whatever reason I was fast forward into it and it was healing and whatever. And it just like abruptly made me face, like you said, face life, face fears, face traumas, face my own demons. Right. And um, so I think a lot of people try to like outmaneuver like when they're ready or like, you know what I mean? And and for me, like I did, I felt depressed, I felt suicidal, whatever. But it was interesting that like, and then I did ketamine like after the fact, but I, I think it's nice to know that you can start, anyone who hasn't done any of these things and they're kind of scared about psychedelics in general, that they could try if they started like for me if they started with ketamine first they would get a kind of gentler experience and like very rewarding and very kind of uplifting to start especially with right. the lower dose right and then not feel like that they're doing a god mode <laughs> or something you know what i mean like yeah. to start and i think it's cool to to graduate to the higher modes because you're getting more healing and more therapy you're learning more about yourself you're learning how to face challenges you're learning how to face fears and they don't become so overwhelming but some people need to feel like they're on the the first two steps to get there i think it's it's almost essential it's like you don't just hop in a ferrari and like well i did gonna, you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah it's it's mm. we want to enter in from the beach and like get familiar with the kind of territory of psychedelics and what they do i mm -hmm. think really at the end of the day they're all a a different lens mm -hmm. or a different way of transportation to getting us to see life the way that we were meant to experience it and to tap into what we're supposed to be connected to. Yeah. Because every single one that I've done has always brought me back to, I think, one of the greatest things in life that we can experience, and that's love. Yeah. 
So question, you've, you've been doing, you've probably dealt with hundreds of clients at this point or thousands. thousands? Yeah, really okay. grateful to say that. So he's on the phone with clients every day, helping them post journey, like after they, after they, is it, is it like a lucid dream they're kind of having or a Actually, vision? That's a, yeah. Okay. So at this point, after working with, with thousands of people, I, I'm almost convinced that ketamine is like inducing a lucid dream. Okay. Like don't, don't quote me on that, okay. but like, this is wow. what it feels like. I love yeah. that I knew that already. I, mean, <laughs> I feel yeah, smart. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're helping them. Are you helping? So they're kind of telling you what they saw and they felt, and you're kind of helping them interpret meaning, find purpose and meaning with that. Or yes and no. What I is mean, it? I mean, I think you're... meaning is subjective, okay. like as the canvas of our life is, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just art. Mm -hmm. It's whatever it is that is going to empower you. So with integration, the idea is to just check in with them, see how they're feeling. A lot of times they have questions like, you know, am I doing this right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, that's that's the biggest that's question. The biggest is question? If, okay. is if I'm doing this right? Like, yeah. you know, I had this experience, nothing happened. What what am I doing wrong? Okay. Right. Um, and then the last part of it is just giving them tools to expand towards what it is that they want to create. Okay. So what if someone's just like coming in and they're maybe disconnected from their emotions? They don't even know exactly what they're struggling with. They know that they, maybe they're depressed. They know that they're feeling like these suicidal low thoughts. So what's your what's your strategy and, and what's the process to get them out of that? Like what what do you see? Is it like a couple sessions that you see that it's pivotal in bringing them up? Is it the way that you help bring them into their process and help them connect with their own feelings or what what is what is the process yeah so i'm not technically a therapist right okay. so i'm not like peeling back layers mm -hmm. as much as i am guiding them in a direction to finding what it is that they want mm -hmm. right yeah. and and oftentimes like they they know but they just kind of need to be reminded okay right so i think in when we start i usually just kind of ask the basic questions like what's the the uh, dose that you're at and mm -hmm. um you know how many sessions they've had so typically to get that neurobiological level reset which is like the resetting of the default mode network which is like our subconscious mind okay uh, that's where triggers uh, a lot of trauma uh -huh. uh, the hardwired patterns of thoughts are stored in yeah. the brain yeah we want to start to rewire that. It can take like six to eight sessions to get that reset, sometimes even eight to 12 to okay. really see a change. For me, I know that was that was the case and I see that often. Oh, wow. Um, so the first thing I always say is like, if you're not experiencing anything yet, it's gonna require patience. Okay. Patience and consistency. Yeah. And when I say consistency, it's about like doing the work because at the end of the day, like these are medicines, these are tools, right? but they're not gonna do all the work for us. They're mm -hmm. gonna work in conjunction with what we do. We okay. wanna meet it halfway. So I think mindfulness is one of the best practices that we can have. And that's probably the, the biggest thing that I emphasize. Things like journaling, okay. mentally purging, getting okay. that self-actualization and clarity. Okay. Uh, breath work, mm -hmm. you know, if you are in a tough situation, if you're experiencing anxiety often, like what are you doing to come back to now? Yeah. Right? Anxiety is a product of the future. Yeah. Often where we're putting our focus on what could happen, what might happen. We end up suffering more in our imagination than actual reality. True. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then meditation. I think one of the best things that we can do, and it's different for everyone, but with 70,000 thoughts a day on average, 80% of those being negative because of our programming to survive, 90% of them being recurring thoughts from the day before because the brain loves oh what's my familiar. God, so frustrating. Right? That's safe. <laughs> yeah. Can we gently pull our focus and attention back to now because that's where your power is mm -hmm. 
every time. Yeah. Right? Like, it's always in the future, always in the past. We beat ourselves up for mistakes made, uh, things that have happened, things that we regret, failures, mm -hmm. you name it. And that's when we start spinning our wheels. We get frustrated. We stop. And that's when depression starts to sink in. We start questioning our purpose. Yeah. Right? And if we're good enough and exactly. things aren't going my way. But come back to now. And though even, like, those thoughts, like, the uh, not being good enough is, is I think, one of our greatest character flaws, so many of us, and that's instilled from childhood for the most part. So how, okay, like personally for me, and I know it's for people I know, cause you know, I kind of came from a religious cult. So I, I know what it's like to be like shamed and mm -hmm. blamed for a lot of things yeah. as a child. And like, it's taken me until like what, 37 to, to <laughs> discover that that was a problem. And sure. then I got to rewire that and I got to work on it and I got to not pass it on to my kids. But like, um, what if people don't know that that's what they have? Are, are you kind of pivotal in helping like bring that out and helping them discover that? You know, because I feel like I don't know if this is accurate, but you've you've probably dealt with a lot of clients that have suicidal ideation. Is shame and blame and guilt what's plunging them down? And do we gotta kind of go like pull that out and purge it out, kind of? Or I was one of them. Really? Like, okay. I, I mean, share share your experience with us. I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't be doing what I do today if I wasn't or had not been in the dark at one point in my life. I tell everyone I'm just a guy with a flashlight, you mm -hmm. know, trying to guide others towards their their own light. Um, I think it's pivotal that you have that journey and experience, though, because you're, you're helping if – how can I relate to a therapist that doesn't know what the F I'm, I've been through? You know what I mean? Or, or a guide or anything. Like, I, you need someone to guide you that's already been on that's this been path. There. That's yeah, been yeah. And that's, so, you know, familiar in the dark. And uh, I think the, the greatest thing that we can do is uh, – I saw something the other day. It was, he asked a question. He was like, is it more important to have more positive thoughts or less negative thoughts? What do you think? Less negative, for exactly. sure, because they negative. always overpower. They like always one negative just thought sucks you in. It it's crazy. It'll just rob your joy. Like one negative thought. Yeah, and, and then we like we believe it. Yeah, and that's and we, the issue. I feel like we perceive it more intensely too. Like if like someone showers me the compliments, I'm like, okay, thank you, that's right. great. And then someone says one negative thing, I'm like losing my mind. And that those you know however many compliments were not overshadowed by the one negative. The one negative overshadowed the rest. It's crazy how we look like we perceive things that way. Yeah, I think it's just a, it, it comes down to our programming. Like we as humans are designed to survive. Everything in this life is designed to survive. So we are constantly assessing threats and things Danger. that can hurt us. Danger, right? So yeah. like we're going to look at the black spot in the white paper and perceive it as ruined, right? Yeah. Instead of 80% of that paper is perfect. Exactly. You know? So the idea is I think that the greatest game that we can play in this life is perception and emotional regulation right yeah and that's again where mindfulness is going to come into play yeah so okay i've had a few guys come on this show that you would and you're one of them that i from all intents and purposes just looking at you people might not assume that you've ever been in a depressed state or that you've ever felt super low yeah so um help us understand and help us like connect with all the people that are feeling alone or feeling down or feeling like you know, maybe they've been depressed or they've even had suicidal thoughts. Like, help us understand this because I think for men especially, men, young men and even successful or attractive men, they, sure. who are they going to talk to? What are they going to talk about? Because people don't expect them to feel that way. Or they don't, like, I don't know. There's got to be a disconnect here somewhere yeah. because I keep having people on my show that are t sharing this, and I'm trying to figure out what can we do to help men not feel so alone. 
you know, what can we, what can we do? What can be said to them that's going to connect with them? Because I don't know. I'm a woman. I'm full of emotions. Yeah. You know, you can connect with me all day long on emotions. Yeah, yeah. But how do men get connected with? How do? They, how can we reach out to them and make them not them not feel so freaking isolated? I think that's just a matter of creating a a movement of men being okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and we have this. Uh, just as the the alpha movement was created like you have to be this way you have to be like this is masculinity right Mm -hmm. i think it's just as masculine to be vulnerable yeah i think if anything it i don't want to say it's more attractive but it's like it's real it's necessary it's authentic it's It's essential to getting to where you want to actually be in this life like Mm -hmm. it adds substance to your life so if we can learn to be vulnerable, if we can learn to be open, if we can learn to be in touch with ourselves and our emotions, mm-hmm. if we can learn to express ourselves authentically. I think that's that's where we thrive. For it's, sure, it's through connection. A thousand right? percent. Yeah. So you know, checking in with yourself, being honest with yourself, building the best relationship you're ever gonna have, right? Like, can you trust yourself? Yeah. Are you loving yourself actively every single day? Are you efficiently communicating with yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you respecting yourself? Right? Like those are the kind of foundation of, of any healthy relationship. Yeah, that's a great so. thing to create this movement and for guys to see that it's men of all types are dealing with this, you know, young, attractive, successful, this, that, whatever, what you might not think. Mm-hmm. And then there's even the guys that feel down about not reaching certain levels of, you know, esteem and being down on themselves too. And it's just, I, I, I struggle so much because, like I said, I'm a woman. So I, women naturally reach out to each other. We talk, we gossip, we this. So like, sure. we're very emotional. And, sure. and you know what we're thinking, or at least some idea of what we're thinking. And you generally, and we also, when we, when we just, women have a lot more outlets for, like, their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I don't know if men have as many. Like, um, I, just, I feel like I'm just constantly trying to, f- figure out and solve this puzzle do men need more voice do men need more men that feel like they're brothers do men need more father figures like what what society's definitely fucking us up well you know what i mean but like i just i i wish i could help figure this out like maybe you have some puzzles to this piece yeah i mean i'd love to brainstorm you know that that idea i mean i just i think it's the, the best thing that we can do is instill this in our kids. Yeah. Right. Like if, if you want to change the future, like start with our children. Yeah. Um, but. And for them to feel powerful and okay being vulnerable and be okay not always having it figured out or yeah. be okay feeling confused sometimes. Like I feel like you, like what you ex- described the max, the like toxic masculinity, whatever is like every man has to have it figured out and every man has to like be reach this level Mm -hmm. and then if he's not or he's having a challenging time in his life then he's not a man or whatever and i even see it like in my own relationship like how i have to support and make sure that like my husband feels safe being vulnerable or safe being not okay for a period of time and loved through not only safe but loved through it and like encouraged and empowered you know so i don't know it's just it's just something i I'm starting to ponder and wonder because yeah. I'm not a man and I want to hear from guys what they think about this because yeah. this, this culture is very bizarre. We grew up in a very, like you said, toxic masculinity culture. And I, I personally have had people in my life, males that have been depressed or suicidal or even commit suicide and it's freaking devastating. I, I feel helpless. I feel mm-hmm. like I want to I know more. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, I think we always do. And, you know, oftentimes we don't get the answer. It's just we're, we wear such a mask because we think we need to, mm-hmm. right? Again, it goes back to like who the world told us who we should be. Like, yeah. You should be this, you should be that. Like whose shoulds are those at the end of the day? Whose opinions yeah. are those, right? Yeah. Like when we came into this world, we were sponges. We came into it with a sense of wonder and curiosity. We're so raw and authentic, right? But then as we grow older and, you know, we, we tend to build the gates of our mind with the rods of others' fears. Mm-hmm. And that fear of being vulnerable is instilled in so many. And I, I just, I think the more and more that we can, uh, men in positions, yep. you know, that with platforms to do so, yep. that are vulnerable, that are sharing their story, of when they were in a dark time and how they overcame it, like that transcendence giving back. I mean, that's that's where it's at, but I just don't think that there's enough examples out there like that. Well, you're definitely an awesome example, and I, I think you. it's very heartwarming, and I appreciate you sharing, but you're you're, you're helping like people one-on-one. So you're, you're giving back, you're, you're having compassion, you're, you're therapeutically helping people with their process. That's massive. You're sharing your own, you're being mm-hmm. public about it. Like that's all we can really do. And I, for me, myself, like some days I really beat myself up because I, I know that I've been so low at the, where I really didn't see myself crawling out. And I was like, okay, I need to use the fact that I crawled out as an example to anyone who's struggling. I really, really wanna know that I can connect more. I really wanna know that I'm saying the right things that can help someone like, I don't know whether they need to get a diagnosis or a therapy or, you know, I really want them, I wanna know that I'm being effective and I'm helping more people. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's it's like, it's this thing that I feel like it's ramping up in our society for people feeling more, like you said, more dis- more disconnected, feeling more distracted, and never taking that time to sit with themselves. Yeah, so I think that's what we need to reiterate. Yeah, is- I'll, I'll be honest <clears throat> with you. I, I think that like, you just never know who you might touch, mm-hmm. right? Like I've, I've since, since working with Better You, I mean, I've kind of stepped into my power and, and learning to be vulnerable and sharing my story. And, um, you know, I I shared my story of the time that I was, I spent months auditioning for this role um, and it crumpled in front of me. It was like, you know, I spent 10 years acting, but this was like the one, Mm -hmm. you know, and crumbled in front of me, like got into the room uh, and it was just like being right there, almost getting it. Almost there, damn. Almost in, like in front of all producers, directors, everything, and that was it. And then I was working this job, it was during COVID, so like, you know, after bartending for 10 years, I was trying to figure out my life, right? Yeah. Not being able to do that. And uh, I was working a job, uh, cold calling, it was sales. And oh I remember the last, yeah, it was brutal. Uh, last call that I made, um, the guy answered and, and just immediately he was, he was an asshole. He was like, you know, if I did what you did, I'd take a gun, put it in my mouth and pull the trigger. <gasps> Jesus. Yeah. And I mean, I was so low in that point in my life. Like I was like, you're right. Damn. I, I was just, I was, so, I was in, uh, at the time I was in a really bad spot in my relationship. You know, I had an almost one year old son at home right in and I, <sighs> I went home that night, got in a fight mm-hmm. with my partner, and um, 
I was just done. I I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm just in the worst position I've ever been in my life. Like, what else do I have to offer? Like, I don't have anything to offer. Like, that was all I could see at the time. You couldn't see a good future. I couldn't. Okay. And so I drove out to Red Rocks, my favorite spot. And I sat in the back of my truck with something in my hand. No. No. And I I just sat there, like, Mm -hmm. just thinking about, like, what does this feel like? Yeah. You know? And I remember looking up and I asked myself, I was like, what are you doing Mm -hmm. like you have a son yeah you know and uh i made in that moment a decision to get it together yeah and to like do everything that i could and apply everything that i could to not just showing up for my son but for my family and for others that felt the way that i felt because you have no idea how many people like right now in this moment are Mm -hmm. feeling that way right right and so I shared this story yeah. online with, with Better You and I'm seeing all these comments of these people saying like, thank you so much. I needed to hear this men mm-hmm. like, thank you. Like, and it just, it brought me to tears immediately. Cause I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to, if that saved somebody that day. <sighs> Absolutely. Like, so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah, no, so, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing yeah, that with people. Absolutely. That's why I really want to join the show because you you are very vulnerable. You're open. You're connected. You're confident about that is something we need to be is with ourselves, with our emotions, connecting with ourselves and helping yeah. others. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I just, um, you know, oh gosh, at least you had your like your son popped into your head. I feel like the moments I was low like one. I don't know if wanting to in my life is the right way of putting it, but feeling like I there's there's no reason to be here or or feeling so low that I don't need to be here. Like it's more of that. That's the thought it was for me. I never really yeah. got to like a, a plan. Yeah. I just got to like, oh, well, if I drank all this wine and maybe had a, a bunch of Xanax, I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like that. I, that's where I went to. And I just remember thinking like, no, like you have a daughter and it was so distant, you know, yeah. when like you have a lot of noise of like negativity and then something, it felt super distant, like your daughter. It was, it was this whisper. Just it was like a like, little tiny yeah. whisper of like, remember, cause I felt so clouded yeah. with negativity that I couldn't even, when you're, when you're feeling confident and your, your, your connection to your family is strong, that like allowed, like your daughter, 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 family, 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 it's very loud. But yeah. for some reason, when you're clouded with negativity, it's distant. You can barely even hear it anymore. And so I think that's why it's so important for people to hear this. You you can actually climb out of this hole. You can be massively. Your life can turn around. Are you feeling a lot better? Are you like? I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> Raiden's Raiden's my my angel, like hundred yeah. percent. Raiden's uh, the sweetest. But like literally, he's his little like, mini me. <laughs> he's so rad. Our kids are like best friends. There's it's Ari the and Raiden. Yeah, it's <laughs> he the just cutest. turned three. Yeah. So the coolest part of the story was that a couple months later, um, I went back out to Red Rocks. And I sat in the back of my truck during the day. Without time. anything. Without in anything okay, in my hand. Okay, thank God. Yeah, just my phone. Mm-hmm. And um, to the left side of me was this crazy thunder lightning storm. And I, like the lightning was literally dancing on top of the mountain. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> on the opposite end of it was this beautiful, like pink, orange, glowing, vibrant sunset. And I'm like, what am I witnessing right now? And it was there that I found the lesson. Mm-hmm. Some of the most beautiful sunsets are always after a storm. Mm-hmm. So just hold on. Yeah. 
that's a great way of putting it and it's powerful you're like very into with nature and he's very creative guys he's an <laughs> awesome guy at media and editing you should check out his page at the king please Thank do you. but also um so something i heard by actually my pastor recently and it hit really home struck home with me was that um if you're low that's okay. We all have these like super low moments. Like don't feel like you're different from everyone else. Like you'd be surprised who actually felt as low as you did. Even if right now they're successful and they feel great, they might've had a moment. It was just like yours. Mm -hmm. What he said was, um, if you can find the tiniest joy, just one joy, it could be like 10 minutes long. It could be five minutes long, whatever. Just find one joy a day. You can pull yourself out of this thing. Right. And so what you're I mean, I think the ketamine therapy is also essential because if you can't connect to a joy or you just you really just need redirection, you need purpose, you need your to pull out of your subconscious what's going on that's blocking your joy. Mm -hmm. That's that's so pivotal. Right. It's huge. I mean, uh, they they say it was a book. Uh, it was the happiness. Happiness objective. I forgot what it was called. It was, it was a great book. Yeah. It talked about. Um, just talks about happiness yeah, and, and yeah. basically the the guy said if you can just give yourself something to look forward to it lights up the same receptors in the brain as if you were actually doing it mm -hmm. so give yourself something to look forward to and yeah. i talk to people in integration all the time like a, a main focal point is or a question that i ask is what are you doing to feed your soul mm -hmm. what do you do to make you feel alive mm -hmm. i think that's one of the best yeah it's like think about it i think I think also in addition to that uh -huh. is because I'm trying to uh, maybe help people understand the ketamine a little bit better and, yeah. and any medicinal modality is that so if you cannot find a joy, like first step is let's try, right? Mm -hmm. You could journal, meditate, try to find it. Yeah. If for some reason it's all blocked, understand that it's blocked and that you might need medicine to unblock it, right? right? So whether it's ketamine or any other modality, you know, don't feel bad that you can't find it. Just know that you need help finding it, right? right? And then you know, like you said, all these things are blocking it, right? It could be culture, how you were raised, the shame, guilt, whatever, all these things over time compound mm -hmm. to the point that you can't hear that little voice anymore. You can't hear that little, the love that you, you had before, the joy that you had before. Right. But don't think that that's the end and the answer. We can all get there. Just know that, okay, it's blocked. I can't find it. Yeah. I need help unblocking it, you know? That's, I mean, I think the first step. Yeah, right, is I think that's that what's awareness. so powerful about medicine is yeah. is uh, and I didn't even believe in plant medicines or any of these modalities before. Mm. But now I'm a strong, strong component. I've seen it in every type of personality, every type of person, different backgrounds, completely different issues. It could be trauma. It could be shame. It could be grief. And I'm seeing the healing happening for everyone. I think that's the coolest part is that psychedelics are like you know when we get stuck in our box like it, that box could be suffocating us but like we find comfort in it right and, and, someone, and perspective like a completely different perspective yeah, it's, it's, it's a perspective thing like someone can come along and open the box and you're like no it's too bright i'm good i'm comfortable here psychedelics are almost like putting a pair of shades on and stepping outside into that new world and seeing it actually mm -hmm. and then getting familiar like oh there's mm -hmm. this whole world outside of this little box that yeah. I've been living in. Yeah. And then you go back into your box and you realize, what have I been doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Can you maybe share one of your favorite or most memorable memorable or pivotal client experiences where somebody was like, I don't know, whether it's the details of their journey mm -hmm. or 
how they pulled themselves out. Can you kind of share one of your favorite ones oh with my us? God. I mean, there's probably a ton. There's so maybe, many. Maybe um, one that pops to mind or something. That yeah, there was one recently, and and I, I don't want to say it was it was it was touching for me because it was with a therapist. Oh wow! And you know, she came in. She was like, you know, I, I wanted to do this to connect with my clients more. I also have my own journey and, and healing, and so I asked her the question. Um, you know, I, I what I said earlier, I was like, you know, what are you doing to feed your soul? What makes you feel alive? And she's like, well, I love spending time with my my kids. You know, they make me happy and, you know, taking my dogs out for walks and things like that. And I'm like, that's great. And I know that you love your work and what you do. But then I asked her this. I was like, you know, could you agree that we're all aged, ch aged children that know how to pay bills? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, technically. And I was like, okay. So what are you doing to play? Mm -hmm. And she bursts into tears. Aww. Because she's like, you're right. I haven't been, I was just, you're right. What am I doing for me? Mm -hmm. And I, that was so powerful for me, mm -hmm. you know? And she like came back and, and thanked me. And like, it's little moments mm -hmm. like that where- Like a little breakthrough. Little, it's a little breakthrough. It's like, mm -hmm. we get so stuck. Mm -hmm. And we think that this is what we need in life, or because we, we have that, the wrong tools. Right. We didn't. We didn't know that there's another tool yeah. that we could have been using. Yeah. That's interesting. So wow. you know, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Yeah, I mean, when I was young, I, I used to dance like no one was watching, Aww. or I, you know, used to sing. I used yeah. to do this and that. Yeah. Like I should get back to doing it. like, and that's what I encourage people to do. Like yeah. dance like no one's watching. Mm -hmm. Play. Mm -hmm. Go chase a sunset. Wait out. Yeah. And, watch the stars you're and very star. you're very like in tune with creativity i'll say i don't know where it came from i don't know if it's from hawaii <laughs> <laughs> i mean well nature but for you're, sure nature like, you're yeah. in but you're in tune with nature but you're in tune with being creative like you, you don't so. you don't like hesitate to try and write a song out of nowhere no. you don't hesitate to like dance in the middle of the room for no reason with Brayden. <laughs> like this is cool because we don't do this in our culture. Yeah. Uh, hands down, absolutely not. I don't know if it's awkward or shamed or we're adults or we're not good enough. Like there's, I even feel it myself. And I think that I'm really glad you brought this up this point because we, I think we all are very disconnected from our talents and our creativity space. Even if they're not a mate perfect or the best or amazing, yeah. they're still fun and they're still therapeutic. You know, because yeah. like I, I've only just now recently, recently discovered that I don't have to be an artist to draw or to paint. I don't have to no. be like making it for someone or making money off of it. I can just do it no. and it can feel wonderful and great. Like I started painting with Aria. We made her a little dollhouse and I, and I was like, at first I was like, wait, you don't know what you're doing. You need to research this. You need to mm. do a YouTube tour. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just painting. Like if we mess up, okay, we'll do another one. Or mm. I'll teach her like, she's probably going to spill it everywhere. Like I... I need to just let her be creative and safe being creative. And I I don't know, this process just taught me a lot of like calmness and patience. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels this feels so amazing to just paint a dollhouse. Right. And I don't know. And I connecting with that space, whatever that is, I was like, oh, like we can do these little small things, tap into creativity, tap into therapy, and it can just break up whatever pain we are having break up whatever anxieties we're having. Yeah. Like I literally thought about nothing but painting. You know what? We never think about no. nothing. We think about everything. We're always thinking. Why right? are we thinking? 70,000 thoughts a day. That's I what was I mean. Like, but like, I'm like, literally I felt like a child. I was like, I'm just painting. It's white. It's messed up. Okay, there's a drip. I was thinking like a child. You're just 
being. Yeah. Like that's but it felt nice. It's emphasis on being in human yeah. being. It's existing. Yeah, right? I literally I felt like create, a kid. And right. it felt so good to not be like, okay, what are you gonna make for dinner? How, how, do you want to get leaner? Like I'm always thinking random shit all right. day long. And I think this year I discovered through meditation, more more focused meditation, like through w- watching like Joe Dispenza type yeah. type like work and understanding meditation is not just like stop thinking. It's actually like focused thinking and guided thinking and, and maybe interrupting some negative thought processes mm-hmm. when they get started. I used to think it's just sitting like a Buddha and not thinking about anything. Right, right, and right. it's not that at all. Absolutely and I, And I was so like annoyed. I'm like, this shit's boring as shit. I'm right. sitting like a Buddha. <laughs> And like my mind's racing still, and now I'm behind on work, and now I don't know. It just it didn't work at first, but sure. then when I saw that it, it's guided, it's also remembering. I think my ther- one of my therapists. I have way too many therapists. <laughs> one of my therapists told me, you know, you don't have to keep every thought you think. And I was like, that is the most deep and bizarre and awesome thing that you've ever told me. Because uh-huh. I always try to keep all the thoughts I think, and I always think that they're mine too. She said, by the way, oh, your thoughts are not you. Right. I was like, what? I'm today years old realizing yeah, this. Yeah. And she's like, you know, they can enter in. Like think she almost said, like, think of it as like like let's say you have a devil and angel on your shoulder and the devil's like saying all this evil shit or like negative thoughts that maybe you didn't need to think and then the angel and they're usually this one's usually a lot louder and more annoying and she's like you know they're they're coming in they're whispering these things but you don't have to keep them they're not who you are and you can like sort them right. you can like dispose of them you could reroute them and I was like wow and I've been doing this yeah. and like it was uh I would say two book well the Joe Dispenza Joe Dispenza Becoming Supernatural that book love breaking the habit of being yourself is Okay. also really amazing yeah, yeah i know you have a good list of books yeah, yeah. and then what was the other one uh the untethered soul by michael singer yeah, love it. amazing, amazing yeah. book too where these two and i had to read them several times to fully grasp mm-hmm. what they were talking about to become ser- spiritual or to be able to like start to sort our thoughts and not keep them all because yeah. my brain it's it's so funny especially the under, untethered soul with michael singer because he's such a calm laid-back chill guy when you watch him on interviews you're like mm-hmm. I'm not that calm. Like it's it's like so hard to relate to this guy. You're very calm and chill. Uh-huh. Your son is calm and chill, and I'm just like, damn, I'm such an anxious person. But anyways, I was like reading it, and he was just like, you know, you, you, witness when your mind starts to go crazy. Like you're not your mind, you're not your thoughts. You're the person witnessing the thoughts, right. and start to just like witness it yeah. and don't judge it, yeah. don't condemn it. Just be like, oh, there it goes again. And as you witness it, this is like a similar thing that our shaman in our ayahuasca ceremony was telling us that was so pivotal for me, which is don't like a- don't like ask why is this fearful thing happening or why am I seeing this alien? Why am I seeing this demon? Just say like witness it and be like, oh, I'm watching this right. happen and just let it happen and then figure out what it's teaching you. That's one thing that he, he that resonated a lot with me. Um, the over-identification of our stories is the root of our suffering. Okay, explain that to me. Okay, so because we're constantly assessing threats and over-analyzing, we're over-identifying, okay. right? We embody it. We, like, make it our own. We, we kind of adopt it. Take it on. Right? Okay. And it's when we judge okay. that we create that story, that becomes our suffering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So meditation and that's why it's so powerful it's not the practice of not thinking it's the art of objectively observing yes just that's a great way objectively observing so like you're sitting there 
And I think, yeah, this is like what Michael Sanders says. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting there, just wait. He's like, this is only gonna take a couple minutes. Just wait to see what comes into your brain. And then it's gonna be like, oh, I I didn't work out hard enough today. Oh, I gotta get the kids. Mm -hmm. Like all this stuff just starts spinning and then say, okay, once that happens, then see if you can quiet it down and see if you could just say, okay, that's not necessary right now. And then like look out and whatever you're currently witnessing, something in nature, and then just, get in touch with that and just keep keep bringing yourself back to the present mm-hmm. and keep finding something now to be grateful for and remind, remind, don't judge the fact that you're going crazy that you're right. having all these negative thoughts but kind of step back and witness it and be like oh that's happening again my yeah. brain's trying to do the, the script my brain's trying to do the programming yeah. again and it's going to keep happening it's yeah. like you know but the practice of like slowing it down or stopping it for a second is what gets you from like going off the rails and maybe like snowballing with anxiety For what though? or snowballing with a dep- depression because right. I think people think that their thoughts are theirs yeah. and they think that they are the negative ship happening to them and they don't know that it could be a whisper from culture, a whisper from your, you know, maybe your how you're raised, a whisper from like that stuff that you can like be like, oh, I don't need that. I don't need to, I don't need to dwell on that or I don't mm. need to take that right now. And it's okay that I thought it for a second, but I don't need to keep it. Right. You know, I, that, I don't know why it was so pivotal for me. Yeah, it's huge. Like when we judge, we, you know, we kind of are already viewing something through a lens. We've predetermined how it's going to be. So we don't give it a chance to authentically express itself as it is. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you just witness, if you just observe, Mm -hmm. you give everything in life a blank canvas to just express itself. Yeah. Right. That goes for us in our own life, too. If we can just be, if we can just exist. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think our thoughts are so important, because our thoughts eventually create our reality. It's our thoughts, create feelings, create Mm -hmm. moods and attitudes over time as it becomes habitual. We embody it. It creates our beliefs. Yeah. And that is our perception. Yeah. I think the greatest example of that is if you. So what color is a stop sign? Red. Right. What color is the yield sign? Yellow. Most Am people I wrong? think it's yellow. It's actually red. It, it yield sign is red. What? Yeah. So next time you like okay. merge onto the highway wow. or go into traffic circle, yeah. like notice it's it's red. But like our mind, I think back in the late nineties or early two thousands, everyone they says yellow. It. Everyone says yellow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's red. Okay. So that's just like an idea of our thoughts and our perception, right? Okay. Like even though we pass it every single day and it's red, like it's we still associate registers. slow with with yellow. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. So that's a, a, a good example a little, of, of how our perceptions our perceptions works. cannot be the truth. Exactly what we that's, see. That's that's really yeah I like that point too because I think I, mo, um, the different medicines mushrooms and et cetera, ayahuasca ketamine it opens up our minds to remind us that our truth is not always like the truth. And like almost everyone is writing their own damn story. Exactly. Like, like everyone's just yeah. like, I got the truth. But like you're literally just writing a story for yourself and it's not the truth. Like There's... people people don't know how to like like deal with that, you know, like and be okay cool. with it. Yeah. You know, and just be like, okay, it's okay. That was just my truth right. and not judge it and just right. like be also everyone else has their truth. I think everyone's trying, well, not everyone, but some judgmental <laughs> people are trying to say that there's only one truth and that there's only one reality when in fact we're all just perceiving things different. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's there's the three sides to a story. Like yeah. this person has a side, this person has a side and there's, there's the truth. Like yeah. they all at the end of the day have to exist to create the one reality, yeah. right? That it is what it is. Yeah. So let it be yeah. right if someone is saying they're speaking to angels like <laughs> that's their reality yeah, yeah. right like who am i to judge that yeah yeah, yeah. you know so mm-hmm. yeah 
That's so cool. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you want to chat about or discuss on this show? We've gone so, so many good spots. Yeah, I mean. We went pretty deep. Do you want to, okay, question. Yeah. Because you've done heavy mushroom doses. I have, I have. I think like, well, I mean, not like, like yeah. I think five, five okay. grams is the highest. Of. What is your advice on staying so positive on these medicines? Because mm. I feel like you have a way of like guiding it to keep it in a positive space or a therapeutic space, yeah. whereas other people might go to a very fearful and anxiety place. Like they're yeah. worried that they're going to get paranoia or like trapped in some bad trip, you know, the bad trip, the bad trip. Yes. yes. I, I think that's a matter of our perception. Right. So do you have actually, to do you have to perceive that it's absolutely therapeutic and healing like you, without a shadow of a doubt or is it just like how you know what I mean what well, is your what is your you, what is your belief I, that I guess keeps you? the the choice is do you want this to be something that destroys you or empowers you okay right that's that's the kind of invitation so when okay. you're faced with something as they often say psychedelics tend to give you what you need versus what you want mm -hmm. one of the best things I was ever told was to just face the beast mm -hmm. but don't just face it face it with a sense of wonder and curiosity okay right and then face it with determination not yeah. so much certainty but determination knowing that you're going to get through it because i think in my work with psychedelics i think the greatest thing that i've learned is to surrender mm -hmm. because it's through significant struggle that we find significant strength so okay ask the beast what are you here to teach me yeah what are you here to show me who am i going to emerge as surrender after to the beast. storm Surrender right? to the beast that you're scared of. Yeah, exactly. So like surrender <laughs> okay. because it's not here to destroy you. Right. And it's not going think to. Think about your scars. Think okay. about like the wounds that you've experienced, mm -hmm. right? Or the, the pain that you've experienced. Mm -hmm. Like it'll be your greatest teacher okay. if you allow it. So if you get stuck in a fearful place, like whether it's through a bad trip or maybe you're, you, you, you can keep going until you unlock that fear. Have you seen people fearful and then they unlock it and get healing of course okay i mean look and it can go either way like yeah. it can be detrimental and it can be and i think that's why we we definitely want to proceed with caution here but i think that there's always an opportunity to perceive like the wounds that we get mm -hmm. those yeah. scars are reminders of what's not healed well not necessarily like they they can either be scars and something that ruined you mm -hmm. or you can see them as trophies of resilience okay does that make sense that's like, awesome yeah and the, the way i perceive it uh -huh. similar to what you're saying is that a trigger when i first was triggered like mm. with all these like okay triggered my show that's where i got it from yes. but triggered i thought it was bad yeah. like that whatever's happening to me to elicit this response is terrible and i need to avoid it right. and i need to avoid its behavior it wasn't until i remembered that like even as a nurse or as someone that heals with like massage you push on a trigger point you don't avoid a trigger point you don't say uh you know this shoulder hurts so don't touch it yeah. you tell your massage therapist to get in there yeah. and do the work right? right and it's gonna hurt for a little bit and it's gonna be sore and you're kind of like whatever until you keep pushing on it and the pain gets released that's how I had to understand that process right. to know I don't know how many times she's gonna have to push on it. I don't know how many times I'm gonna have to expose myself to this therapy and you might need time off between to recover and heal, but it's just the same. The way you physically recover from a trigger point pain in your body is the same in your mind, is that if you avoid it, you it grows and right. it gets more painful and it actually never heals. And the more you kind of give it work, 
you know, if you get afraid because you're like, well, that hurt the last time. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm not going to do any more like work on that. They're going to be like, well, you actually need to keep going. You know, there might be a couple more sessions we need to do and you're going to have a breakthrough and you're going to feel relief and you're going to feel healing. I think that's what happens to people. And I, my, my, I try to help people understand if you're feeling pain and fear still keep going because you're going to get to the healing. And it's so amazing when you get there. I don't know. Is yeah. you, do you feel that too? Very much so. I mean, obviously that, that it's that release. It's like the, re it's the weight lifted. It's so right? powerful but when you get there. Think about it. We follow the same patterns and rhythms that nature does, right? When nature, when, when there's heat, it rises, we get thunder, we get lightning storms, we get eruptions, we get earthquakes, we get hurricanes, it rains. What's that doing? It's all rebalancing. Different, different pressure. It's just, the, it's just the rebalance. Yeah. Right? It's just energy moving. We have to follow that same pattern. We have to move this energy through our bodies. We have to purge. We have to cry. We have to tend, you know, to mm -hmm. that energy. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and so I think that's how we find balance again. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool because when I first started these things, I didn't know if it was for everyone. And mm -hmm. I won't say it's for everyone. Definitely do your, do your background yeah, checks definitely. and do, do all of the research you need to do with a per trained professional to make sure. But it, I didn't understand how it helps so many people, like not just one or two people, but that, I don't know, somehow through life, we keep getting conditioned to different things. Like you said, we keep getting these blockages and these things that suppress our emotions or suppress yeah. our truths, our beliefs get very contorted. And then um, we reach a point in our life, usually in some, I feel like a young adulthood, where it's like things are starting to go south, mm -hmm. whether it's how you feel about yourself or pa patterns in your relationships, where it's like, you kind of just want to avoid what you think is hurting you. Like I said, the trigger, maybe it's the, maybe you think it's the other person in your relationship, or maybe right. you think it's like life is not treating you right or whatever. And it's actually kind of trying to direct you like, Hey, as much as it hurts, like there is some accountability here for yourself mm -hmm. and it's not to self blame. It's actually just to empower. I think what ends up happening to the people that get depressed is that they, they do see the accountability, but then they self-blame and they push themselves down and they condescend themselves and um, they don't see that the turning towards them is a, is a mo moment of empowerment and a moment of change and instead of a moment of shame. Like, you know what I mean? I think they get stuck there. You know, one of the greatest, like, one of the greatest lessons I think I've had was repotting this massive, it was like a big ass banana tree. Okay. This sounds very Hawaiian of it you. Was, it was He's great. from Hawaii. So Ari one day asked me, to repot this massive banana tree. You guys have a banana tree? It was like a banana or like a birds of paradise. So it looks cool. like banana tree. I don't know. This is the coolest thing anyway, I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. It's beautiful. Yes. And I was like, yeah, right. How am I supposed to do this? So I'm, you know, researching on YouTube, like trying to figure it out and uh, kind of getting nowhere. Like, how am I going to do this? So I eventually come to the conclusion go to Home Depot and ask someone. So I okay. go and uh, he's like, okay, so you're going to have to take it out and just kind of lay it down gently. You're going to have to kind of massage the the dirt out of the roots and then you're gonna have to put this little powder on it because it goes into shock oh, okay and then when you put it back in you know make sure that it has space to breathe and move and grow and yeah. uh and then of course nurture it yeah and i was it was it was i want to say it was like a couple weeks later where i had this realization where it's like we're kind of like that if you think about it we if we outgrow our space mm -hmm. like we can get sick. Like if we're not, if we're unable to expand, we're constantly evolving and expanding, okay. right? That's just how we've survived. Yeah. 
All right. So if a plant outgrows its space, it begins to, to, to get go into sick, shock. Right. Okay. When you uproot it, it goes into shock. Okay. Right. So that's kind of like where the therapy goes oh, in. Okay. Right. So as you put it into a new pot, you give it space to breathe. Yeah. Right. So this is kind of self-love, self-care, nurturing. Okay. Yep. Right. Breaking through the soil is doing the work, finding your light again. Right, doing the meditation, oh, the breath work, the journaling, things okay, like that. Okay, cool. I see. Now I'm right? now I'm making the connection with the banana okay. tree. Okay, and then, you know, a lot of these plants have flowers. So when you get comfortable in the light, then you can express yourself authentically. Yeah. You blossom. Yeah. Right. And then eventually, flowers they give pollen to bees. They do something greater than themselves. Bees pollinate the rest, which do so many things for the world, Okay, which is transcendent. So what I love about Better You and what Dr. Sam Zanin created was the, the model of heal, grow, love, transcend. Mm -hmm. Healing is repotting that plant. Okay, Growing is breaking through the soil. Loving is opening your heart, blossoming. Yes, yes. Transcendence is giving pollen to the bees. Yes. We're going to do this okay. for our entire lives. Okay. I know we have a couple like minutes left cool. I, could go, I could go all day oh easy but i'm gonna play <laughs> off what you just said because i saw this cool meme that yeah. said um when i was in a lowest point it says you're when you think you're being buried under the ground you're actually being planted mm. so when you're being overcome with all the things in the world that are they're weighing you down and like making you feel like terrible and being buried alive is probably the one of the biggest fears <laughs> i have <laughs> I mean, I think on top Jesus. of it but it says when it's being when you're being buried you're, when you think you're being buried, you're actually being planted. So Love go that. through it and transmute, figure out a way through maybe ketamine therapy or a modality, any modality that can help you connect with your heart and your yeah. soul to transmute your pain upward and mm -hmm. become empowered. So that's what I thought about when you told me your banana tree yeah, story. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. It's yeah. a, it goes back to, again, our perception. You know, yeah. like, is this something that's going to destroy you? Mm -hmm. Or can you let it empower you instead? Are you going to be the victim to the situation yes, yes. or are you going to be the victor? And it's easy to that's get it. there, but I, you know what? I, I feel so grateful that I've had the experience, even if I was in a very fearful state when I did ayahuasca. I've done two ceremonies now, and even like, you know, I want to do more ketamine, actually. I think it'd be awesome to do more and maybe yeah. share more of my, my journeys on here. But um, to, to understand the concept, which is you don't get the healing unless you go through the, the pain, or you go, I don't know if pain's the right word, you go mm -hmm. through the challenge. Challenge the is challenge. better. The challenge. Yeah. You go through the challenge and yeah. you'll get. A lot more healing absolutely yeah. uh, there's so many references to that but again that that favorite quote, i like, needed to know that though because i was a very fearful person yeah. i literally my first ayahuasca journey you guys can watch a whole video on that but i i had i saw t 20 different fears that i have that's a lot and i didn't think i was a sure. fearful person i thought i was like the most boss strong girl you've ever met yeah. and i i when i had my ceremony i was purging into the bucket i saw 20 fears come out of me and i was like wow like that was powerful for me to see I needed to purge them, but and then I got so much massive healing after that, and I'm still on a journey of healing, but it, I needed to know that like facing a challenge had so much benefit, you know? Yeah. I think, and anyways, but Absolutely. I feel like we could chat all day long, Taylor. <laughs> Thank you for coming on here to Thank my show. So I'd love to have you me. again, yeah, and maybe we'll do some more ketamine journeys together. Let's do it. Okay, Always guys, to... check them out, The King. And better youth therapy here in Vegas, but also online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys, and I'll see you guys later. All right.